to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay, and before we jump into this very special episode, I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, ProWritingAid, the official editing software of the Bestseller Experiment. ProWritingAid is so much more than the grammar checker. It's a style editor, writing mentor, all in one package. And what's more, ProWritingAid integrates with Scrivener, Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice and Outlook. It's designed for the smarter writer, which is all you lot. And as a listener of the bestseller experiment, you can get a whopping 20% off right now. Get your discount today at prowritingaid.com forward slash bestseller. Now, as I hinted at the beginning, we've got something rather unusual in this special episode. So if you're new to the podcast, maybe you're a Star Wars fan discovering us for the first time. We normally speak to authors and people in the publishing world about the craft of writing, getting published, that sort of thing. We've done plenty of episodes with screenwriters and filmmakers. Most recently, we had David Kep, who wrote Jurassic Park, among many others. But we've never done anything in over 250-something episodes, never done anything on making documentaries. And over Christmas, this pair of BBC documentaries kept cropping up in my social media timeline. The first one, The Galaxy Britain Built, the British talent behind Star Wars, and Toy Empire, which is all about Palatoy and Star Wars action figures in the UK. Now, listeners, long-term listeners will probably know what a Star Wars nerd I am and how it changed my life. I, I, I went to see it when I was five. Up till then, I wanted to be a firefighter. A fire engine came to the school. I sat in there, put the hat on, thought, this is it, rescuing cats from trees, burning buildings, that sort of thing. That's the life for me. Then my dad took me to see Star Wars on my fifth birthday, and I was like, I want to be that, whatever that is. And it's it's ruined my life. And uh, this documentary, I've got all the books I've seen, and this had so much stuff in it that I didn't know. There was so much new stuff in it, and I, I had to know more. And I'm delighted to say the writer and producer of these documentaries is with me here today. Also, conveniently for this podcast, he also wrote a book that expands on the galaxy Britain built, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But David Whiteley, writer and producer of The Galaxy Britain Built. Welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today, sir? Mark, well, thank you very much. I'm very, very honoured to be with you. Thank you. Yes, I, I can, I can um, relate to a lot of what you're saying. Star Wars probably ruined my life as well, but in a good way. Um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, Star Wars, I mean, I can't remember a time without it, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's life-affirming, it's life-enriching, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to be a Star Wars fan, I think. We've never done documentaries before, and I'm fascinated about because I've got friends who are trying to get documentaries made. Uh, I'd love to know how this all came about. Now, your background, you're a presenter on BBC One, so you've uh, you've been in the Beeb for a while. How do you pitch a documentary like this to the BBC? Are there lots of hoops to jump through? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can imagine, can't you? Lots of hoops, and then they set fire to them afterwards, um, <laughs> so making it even more difficult. Um, basically, yeah, I present um, a regional documentary programme called, called Inside Out, and I have done uh, for the East of England for the best part of, what, 17, 18 years now. And I've always been a massive Star Wars fan. And it was just after The Force Awakens came out, and I think, like many of us fans, Mark, my love for Star Wars had kind of been reignited. And I went to see it at the cinema nine times. Um, <laughs> I, I had to hide this from my wife a bit. Is that old? And I would, yeah, no, <laughs> um, so I, 
I was sort of sneaking off. So I, I sit with my mates and 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 everything. And then I and then I was going off on my own to watch it. And I'd been filming in London. I was coming back back up to to Norfolk where I live uh, on the train. And I happened to flick through Twitter as one does. And I saw that Mark Hamill was doing a talk to the Cambridge Student Union. I thought, wouldn't it be great to get an interview with Mark Hamill? Cut a long story short, uh, he agreed, and then and then something else that something else went uh, wrong, and it didn't happen. But I thought, wouldn't it be great to to kind of look at um, the British talent behind Star Wars? You know, the people that actually worked on it. Now, I vaguely knew that, you know, of course, it, we we knew it had been filmed at Elstree Studios, and subsequently, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. But I never really kind of grasped the concept of just how many British people. Not just the crew, but also you know the designers, uh, the artists, the filmmakers that actually worked with George Lucas and Gary Kurtz to bring the galaxy to life, and it just kind of went from there. Really, um, I got a very understanding uh, boss. I said, "Look, you know, I, I really want to look at doing something on on Star Wars. Um, you know, I I've got probably one of the most Star Wars birthdays you can imagine. I was born on May the fourth. Oh. Be with you, nineteen seventy seven, so the year it came out as well." So I kind of had this, always had this kind of connection in the, in the joke of the, the, the birthday. Um, and then my boss said, well, well, why don't you look into it? So I did. And I thought, well, I better go down the, the kind of uh, official route. So I, I contacted Disney, who at that point obviously owned Lucasfilm. And they agreed to let us film at Star Wars Celebration Europe, which was in London in 2016. We didn't get a huge amount there. In fact, a lot of that didn't end up in the documentary. It was just kind of, sort of get, gathering stuff. But we did bump into Nick Maley who was very instrumental in making Yoda. Uh, but in um, A New Hope, uh, he helped make all the creatures in the cantina. Got a great interview with him. Got very emotional, which ended up in the documentary. And it went from there, really. And then it kind of started to grow. And I, I found an address for John Mollo, uh, the costume designer who sadly no longer with us. Wrote to him. It was the wrong address, but they forwarded it on because it said BBC <laughs> on the envelope. Got to his wife. His wife phoned me up. They agreed to do it. So we had that interview. And then I got to, I managed to track down Robert Watts through another BBC colleague. And at this point, I had three people in the can, including shooting at Elstree with some pieces of camera. And I thought, well, it's enough for half an hour here. Um, and then I pitched it back to my boss. said, look, I've got all this stuff now. And um, it started off being a sort of half hour idea. Uh, and then BBC Four um, were, were sort of approached by my by the executive producer who said, look, you know, we can turn this into a, a longer film. They agreed to then turn it into an hour for 2017. And then it went from there. And then I just started finding all these different people. There was luck. There was a lot of hard work involved. We thought we were going to get more help from the powers that be. That didn't work out in the end. So I ended up trying to find all these people in L.A., in Canada. We got Roger Christian flowed over from Canada. We went out to L.A. We saw Les Dilly, the art director. We got... Gareth Edwards via a very um, interesting route because Colin Gowdy, who edited Rogue One, <laughs> is great is great friends with one of our picture editors. Right. <laughs> and I've known Amanda for 15, 20 years. In fact, she gets her thanks in the credits. And uh, we were editing a piece for, for my normal telly show. And she said, oh, a friend of mine's editing the latest Star Wars film, which at that point was Rogue One. And I said, really? Um, so then it transpired that this was Colin. Of course, Colin's best friend is Gareth, and mm. that's how it all kind of fell into place, really. So it all it was people who knew other people, yeah. um, 
and then it all kind of came together. So it was a very organic process, Mark. It wasn't like we had everything in the can and then they took it. Now, you see this um, certainly when you publish nonfiction. If you're, say, doing a biography of a celebrity, and it might not be an authorised biography of that celebrity, yeah. you have to get one or two key people on board, don't you, who have a credibility, who have a yes. kind of influence on others, and they say, oh, X is on board. Oh, OK, I'll talk to you then. Was it, was it that kind of process? In an odd way, yes. Um, I think you're right. I think once, once I got certain people on board, I was then able to say to other people, look, I've got this person. So, uh, you know, once we had, I think, I, I'm trying to think who the, where the tipping point may have been. I think once Robert Watts had agreed to do it. Right. He was because, the producer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, he was production supervisor on, on Star Wars. It was Gary Kurtz produced it, but he was production supervisor. He went on to, to produce other films, including um, uh, Indiana Jones films. He is so instrumental in, he knows everybody within that kind of sphere. And he's got—he's such a wonderful raconteur as well. He's—he's—he's he's, he's a lovely he's, man. He's a yeah, really he's got the most. Man. Well, you know me. He's, he's, his recall is amazing. So these stories are kind of hardwired into his brain, <laughs> and, he, and he tells them with such verve and such enthusiasm, as if he's back there forty odd years ago. So I think once I got Robert and and we got on so well. I mean, we've we've now become really good friends, and we see each other quite a bit. Uh, you know, from there, it kind of started to snowball. And I think, you know, in all my emails firing off to different people around the world, you know, we've got Robert, we've got, you know, John Mollo, we've got, you know, Nick Maley, and we'd love to speak to you. And then it kind of started to go. And I, I remember we put a sizzle reel together with a few of the people we had to kind of whet people's appetites and get people hooked in, uh, certainly for the commissioners at the BBC. Um, and then I sent that to, to Colin Gowdy, uh, you know, fabulous filmmaker and editor and then he passed it on to gareth who's based in la and next thing i got an email from gareth saying i'd love to do it i'd love to right. be involved you know, i'd love to talk to you uh whoa, whoa whoa this is great you know the, the only living british director of a star wars film so so it was it kind of all started to, to flow really and then i can't remember how, and then I, I i had all these odd emails kicking around and i i emailed gary kurtz and I didn't hear anything for a while. And then eventually got an email back, very short email. But yes, I'd love to speak. And he gave me his number. And we had the most lovely phone conversation. And, uh, you know, obviously Gary's no longer with us either. So to be able to get Gary in the can, you know, was, was superb. And then I, Peter Beale, who was the 20th Century Fox um, executive guy uh, based in London, overseeing the project for Fox at the time. Um, he, how did I find him? That's right. He had another company and I found him on LinkedIn. Oh, really? Is this, is this the guy? Is this Finally the guy? a use for LinkedIn. I know. I, I, I've never used LinkedIn in my life. And I thought, I'll just try. I'll just see if I can find him. Because you type in Peter Beale and you get the, the guy from EastEnders. EastEnders, so yeah. I, yeah. So, so I, I thought, this, no, this is him. This is the Peter Beale from, from 20th Century Fox. And, and I messaged him. He was still living in LA at the time as well. And he was very open to, to chatting, you know. And um, we went to his house and we did a... Another very long interview with him. We did loads of long interviews with, with, with people. Every every interview was very long, um, but it was it all kind of fell into place. I think I think it was is it nine or ten interviews we did in the end right. for, the, for the original. And then when we updated the film, made it a feature length, we then got two of the guys from the London Symphony Orchestra who were the principals, the bassoonist and the trombone player. So Dennis, who played trombone, and, and Robert Borton, who played the bassoon. And then through the BFI, I, I, I guessed someone's email. <laughs> I got <laughs> hold of the person who'd, who'd done a fabulous exhibition of Anne Skinner's work. And Anne Skinner was continuity 
on Star Wars. Yeah. And she had all these Polaroids and, and all her scripts she donated to the BFI archive. And Lucasfilm actually gave us permission um, on this occasion to film all of her stuff. So it, it all kind of, it was organic, definitely organic. She was the fascinating one for me because yeah. she rewrote some of the dialogue. And some, of, some of the most crucial key dialogue in the entire series. And she's so blasé about it. She said, oh, I know. we just cut the few lines and move things about. And it's like, you, you because George, bless him, his dialogue can be clunky sometimes, you know, and she turned it into something that's iconic. And she's just so, oh, yeah, it's just part of the day job, you know. Well, exactly. And, and as you say, Mark, she was very kind of cool about it. But that, I, I think that was the, I think, to be fair, I would say that throughout the whole film, you get that very typical Britishness from all these people, <laughs> or very kind of modest, very understated. Well, it's what we did, you know. And and it's funny, isn't it, where people kind of look at the lightsaber and they look at the blast and they say, oh, well, that's like that because of this in the Star Wars universe. No, it's not. It's because they didn't have any money. So they went and, you know, got something for Tup and Tape Me from a scrap heap or whatever it was, and, and they got a, a gun and bolted bits on. They got, you know, the, the lightsaber's part of an old flash gun from a Graflex camera. You know, it, it, it was it was make do. And if it looked okay, that was the mantra. Stuff went in. Yeah. Um, so, so to them, they were just making a film. They didn't realise it was going to be Star Wars until it yeah. was Star Wars. So. Yeah. So they were all kind of very cool about it. But you say, and she's she's wonderful, and she did help Sir Alec Guinness with that famous speech when he's explaining the Force to Luke. Yeah. And, and what was gold for us? I mean, I've trawled through the BBC archives to kind of when we made the feature-length documentary, we found that wonderful clip of Alec Guinness talking to Michael Parkinson yes. in 1977, saying how he he couldn't, but he's oh crumbs, you know, uh, <laughs> science fiction. This isn't for me. But I had to go on turning the page, and then he said he said he really. He loved it, but he said, if only we get the dialogue changed, you know, and then it cuts to obviously Anne Skinner in the modern day saying how they, they changed the, the speech. Well, that, that brings me on to the next bit because you've, this is what fascinates me about documentaries because you have to accrue all this information. And like you're saying, you're doing these interviews and they're long interviews. Wasn't the Roger Christian one was something like three hours long? You know, yeah, you had three all this, hours, yeah. And you somehow have to construct a narrative that we can all sit back and enjoy as viewers. Do you go in with a narrative in mind or do you kind of roll with the punches? Because there are there have to be surprises along with the way where you think, oh, that's gold. We can hook something around that. How do you construct these? Is it all in the edit or are you thinking about it as you go? You're kind of. Oh, <laughs> well, I think I've, I think I've erased it from my memory banks. because It was so painful. Um, I, I, I'll never forget. We did the original. We did the original film um, and we were constructing it sort of summer 2017. I had this idea that we, that each person should be a chapter in the film. So they tell their story and then we move on. But while we were filming, it became very apparent that it should be chronological. It should be, a, it should be the, the, the storyline of how everything happened. And I didn't want to admit this to myself because I knew it was going to be a lot more work. <laughs> <laughs> and then Matt, who's, who's my, one of my best friends who directed and edited the film, and basically me and him just did both films together, uh, he said to me, you know, I want to be really good. And I said, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> if we make, yeah, guy, you know what you're going to say? Chronological. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that that was going to take a lot more work, but of course, ultimately what it should have been. Um, so one day he came round to my house, scorching summer's day, and we got a flip chart and we basically restructured it, even though we had everything in the can. We knew we, knew we had everything. Right. And we restructured the, the film on a flip chart and, and I've still got that somewhere. And it's still, that, that is the, the order of everything, the story arc of, of how they made Star Wars. Um, 
And so then there's the, you know, it's like with writing books, uh, with documentaries, you have to transcribe everything just as much as you do with, with books, with interviews. And for every hour of interview, I think it took me three or four hours to transcribe because I, I, I can't be doing with the, these things you dictate into and it gets it all wrong because you're dealing with funny names like Wookiees and, you yes. know, blasters and lightsabers and tr- stormtroopers. So it doesn't understand what you're talking about anyway. Plus, it's a bit like when you're a kid and you're trying to learn stuff. You have to write everything out longhand. And so for me, that was where I learned. And I think the Galaxy Britain built all up is about 125,000 words um, transcribed as the wow. interviews. Yeah. So it's because there's 14 interviews for all of them, 13, 14 interviews. So I had to do all that. And then I would pick the bits out as I went and go, right, and that bit needs to go there. That bit needs to go there. And so you had a structure and then you sit in the edit suite and think, well, that doesn't quite work there. So let's move that to there. That doesn't quite work there. Let's move that to there. And you're intercutting it with archive, you're intercutting it and you're trying to make sure everything segues. In fact, talking about it with you now, I don't know. Because <laughs> 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 it's, it's an epic. I mean, I, when we, you know, we tried not to print the script out too much because it was a waste, you know, you didn't want to you know, think of the environment, but we did <laughs> on one occasion print it out and, to try and go through it. I thought, well, where's that page? Where's that page? You know, it's an hour and a half, you know, it's a 90 minute documentary. Um, and it's, you know, there aren't many people in sort of English regions in the BBC who've made anything as long as that. And it was, it was a real challenge. It really was. Well, that's what struck me about it because this is the kind of thing I would expect to see on Netflix or Amazon prime or something like that. This is, uh, like you say, it's coming from the regions and it strikes me as very much a passion project for you. While you were cobbling this together with your editor, did you have the BBC sort of peering through the door saying, how's it going? Give us updates, that sort of thing. Was there any pressure on you? Um, well, I there's always pressure because you have to deliver because I mean, I, you know, I work for the BBC, but you know, the, the money comes from different parts of the BBC to kind of, help you make these films because it's going to go on their channel. So mm. BBC four, for example, will put the lion's share of the money in because they're going to put it on their, on their channel. Um, so there's, there are levels of executive producers you have to go through, but what was very lucky on, on the second time round making the feature length of galaxy is that the BBC executive editor, she's a massive star Wars fan. Right. And that really helped. So yeah. when I had conversations with her on the phone, she talked to me about you know growing up and going with her brothers to see the. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm so glad she's the <laughs> she's the, the the top person on this um, because she would come up with these suggestions that we because we'd been quite conservative, I think, with with how many clips we put in. She said, well, when we, can we see more clips? Like, yeah, of course we can. We can slam as many as you like. It. <laughs> um, so to illustrate things, so it, it made it feel more rich, I think, and having that guidance at the top really helped. So no, I don't really, because I think as well, because there was a story arc there, there's not much you can do with the story arc. The story arc is, you know, here's what's going to happen. Here's what did happen. Here's the legacy. Hmm. So I think that they were very happy for us to kind of get on with that. Um, and yeah, of course they make suggestions and we make changes and things go back and forth. But you know, every time, because you know, we're used to making 10 minute films, half hour films. Every time we had to send it to the execs, it would have to be exported from from that <laughs> avid suite, which would take half a day. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like we tried to do it as, as less as, you know, as little as possible because it took so long because it was such a big file. And even yeah. at a low resolution, it would take forever to get exported <laughs> out. But you're right, it's the kind of thing that you would probably see on Netflix or Disney Plus or what have you. 
and it was just basically two of us making it. And then, then to make things even more difficult for yourself, you do this spin-off uh, documentary, oh, yeah. Toy Empire, which I loved, which is all Thank about... Because there's the toys that made us on, on Netflix, which, which is, is great. great. Absolutely terrific. But that's focused on the US and it focused on Kenner. Now, for yeah. me... Palatoy was was the brand. You know, you'd see that, you'd get all excited. There's a commercial you show at the beginning of Toy Empire with Princess Leia. But I yeah. don't think I'd seen that since I was about eight years old. I got this kind of rush, which took me right. I remember that advert. And you speak to, like, there were the women on the production line talking about how they made them, the people who designed the toys. Why did you punish yourself and decide to do this one as well? <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting Fascinating it, Fascinating as it was. Myself. Yes, I think that is. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, we did Galaxy, the original, and then I had this idea to make the extended version. And then I became very good friends. I'm still, still good friends with a guy called Rick, Rick Matthews, and he, he founded Channel Star Wars. And he said to me after Galaxy, we got chatting, he said, do you think that you should be doing something or we could be doing something on, on Palatoy? And I was thinking, oh, is, is anyone going to really care? I mean, I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars toys. And he eventually convinced me. Um, so he came on board. He ended up being a consultant on the on the project, part of the, the production team. And then I convinced Matt. I said, Matt, I said, you know, do you think? He's oh, really? Because he's a big Star Wars fan. And I said, is he toys? Are people going to care? And by the time we kind of got buried into it, of course, it's not just the toys, as you say. It, it's the nostalgia. Mm. It's the adverts. And, of course, it's just like Galaxy. It's the people. The people make any documentary, any story. Mm. Um, and once I, me and Rick went to meet all the all the gang at Palatoy, they're all still in touch. And, and we sat there in this room in Colville, which was part of the old factory, which is now a conference centre. And they all had these great stories. And I'm, I'm, we're both scribbling stuff down, looking at each other going, well, that's good, well, that's good, well, that's fantastic. You know, it's all really, you've still got the plans of that. Really, you've still got the original one of this. Um, so we're kind of making all these notes. Um, and then Rick and I discussed it. And, and, and I then, I basically, what I did was I, I kind of pitched the feature-length Galaxy and Toy Empire at the same time to BBC Four, expecting them to go for one or the other. Mm. And they said yes to both. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so be careful was, what you was, wish for. <laughs> yeah, this was exactly, well, exactly. This was May 2019. I remember running around uh, when I eventually got the, 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 the email back from the, the channel controller, Cassian, at BBC Four. And he said, let's go for it. So I said, before I even replied, I ran around the house going yeah yes <laughs> and then i went oh crikey oh hang on that's that's an hour and a half of network television for galaxy alone and then there's a whole new project um a half hour on, on toy empire um but because you know, because i had you know matt on board who helped me who made galaxy with me and the new version and then rick on board for toy empire who knows all the stuff and we had a great cameraman who loved Star Wars toys as well for, for Toy Empire. It just all kind of came together. So the filming itself was was a delight. We had mm. a we had a really good few days in Colville with with the people that that basically made Star Wars for people like you and me. Mm. They it was they were there designing it. They were filling the toy shops with with Palatoy and and fulfilling our dreams. Which was you know you think I mean I've got still got a load of my Star Wars toys. Of course they're all Palatoy. Yeah, yeah. It was the cardboard Death Star oh, yeah. that I, I never got. I remember, Me you know, nose pressed up against the window of the toy shop as a small boy. Uh, never got that. And the the fella who designed it, he was it was ingenious. Absolutely. Because it, it was it was a 
they didn't have the economy of scale that America has. They couldn't do the plastic one America had. Arguably, the cardboard one is better because it has all these little, you know, I agree. Heath Robinson <laughs> levers and things and doors that open. But uh, yeah, it was it was just wonderful. So you've done two docs, and then you decide to do a book. Now you said earlier that the transcripts of all the interviews are something like one hundred and twenty-seven thousand words, something like that. Yeah, which yeah. is yeah, one hundred twenty-five. Yeah. If you're writing an epic fantasy novel, speaking as someone who's written an epic fantasy yes. novel, that's about <laughs> how long they are. So, did the idea of a book come immediately, or was that originally part of the project, or did it come somewhere down the line? No, it, it was. It was. It came about after the original Galaxy, and I kind of thought that's it; it's all over now, you know, because um, you get this rush of this, you know, you know, the, the critics loved it and, and the fans loved it. And I think great. And then someone said to me, you know, you should, you should, you know, expand on this. Talk to these people some more. You've got all these, you know, you, you become friends with a lot of them. Mm. Um, why not see if there's a book in it? And I thought, really, okay. So I I contacted uh, a publisher in the UK who almost took it. And then after a couple of meetings, they said, I'm really sorry. We really wanted it, but people above aren't so keen. But here's a couple of publishers in America that might be interested. So I contacted one of them and straight away, Bear Manor Media said, yeah. Um, I thought, oh, my word. So I've never written a book before, so what do I do? <laughs> um, I do a lot of writing for my, my work. I write columns for magazines and stuff, but I've never written a book. So I, I had all my interviews, but I, I realized that actually I needed to do a lot more. I couldn't just rely on that. So... I kind of contacted everybody again. And so through email, Skype, face-to-face conversations, you know, I, I got a load more stuff in. And what was lovely as well, Robert Watts um, uh, agreed to write the forward for the book. Mm. And then he has this wonderful collection of behind-the-scenes photographs. I've never seen the light of day. So I, I said, well, can I use Oh, yeah, you can use them, he said. No problem. So I remember going down to his house uh, one day with a, with a scanner, high-resolution scanner, and me, him, and his assistant we went out for lunch, and then we came back to his house, and we I literally spent, I don't know, two or three hours scanning all these wonderful pictures, not just from Star Wars, but from his entire career in, in film. And then Les Dilly, the art director, his, his, his me, him, and his wife, we, we've kept in touch, and she offered me all these things as well, all these behind-the-scenes pictures of stuff shot in Tunisia that, all, that Les took on his camera at the time that he's still got, which mm. is wonderful. And you can, see, you can see all the kind of lens scratches on all the hairs in the negative, <laughs> you know, because any stuff that you see official, it's all obviously been cleaned up. And this stuff was his, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. And you see in the corner, you know, vans that, from Lee Electrics that have been driven down from London <laughs> and all the way down to Tunisia. Um, and, and with Robert's stuff, I said, I said, what's this picture here? And there was him, his wife, and his children. And they're outside the house in 1976 during the heat wave. And there's also Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, and Harrison Ford. And I said, well, where's Carrie? And he said, oh, she's taking the picture. <laughs> so they were <laughs> – apparently they – they all said they, you know, the Americans being the Americans away from home, you know, a lot of them first trip outside the US for some, I suppose. And they said uh, they hadn't really had Sunday lunch before, like roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> so Robert and his wife invited them all round to have, you know. And then apparently afterwards, Mark Hamill instigated a water fight with the kids in the garden because it was scorching hot. And there's a lo- another lovely picture of Carrie sitting at the dinner table, you know, very young Carrie Fisher. In, in Robert's house in, in London in 1976. So I said, well, so I scanned all this stuff. And all these stories, every time I spoke to them, there were more stories that came out. So I was kind of trying to fit it into the narrative of, you know, the Galaxy Britain built the book. And yeah, so that, that came, I delivered that to the publisher 
um, I think it was the early part of the summer last year, so mm-hmm. 2019 summer. And then I kind of, I half forgot about it because I thought I've got these documentaries to do now. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Get, yeah. You know, so <laughs> and and then the next thing I remember, I remember I went back and forth with the with the book editor, a guy in in, in Canada, back and forth, back and forth, all done. The next thing I know, it's being typeset in Florida, and then I didn't get the word that it had gone out. So <laughs> I, You're an author, my, my son. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was really weird. Exactly, it was really strange. So I was, uh, my wife works nights at times. She presents the late news for the East of England, and and I put the kids to bed, and I was knackered. I'd had another crazy day in the edit suite doing Galaxy or Toy Empire, and for some unknown reason, end of November, I ended up I typed it into Amazon. I don't know why I did it, and it popped up. I was like, what? <laughs> it's there. And two days later, the, the publisher emailed me. He said, oh, it's out now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but it's great. There it is. You know, so it was really weird. So, And I waited quite a while for my free copies, and I couldn't wait, so I ended up buying my own book. <laughs> I ended up buying. We've all, we've all been there, David. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Okay, it's not just me. I ended up <laughs> paying through the nose uh, for this for the book uh, that I I, you know, spent uh, a while writing, but yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. And I, I have to say it's very different to making films. And I, I take my hat off to people like you and, 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 and other authors, because it is just, it's all consuming. And my, yeah. I mean, the joke is, the joke is, I mean, my wife would, would proofread it for me and she would say, how many words are you up to? And I'd say, well, she, she, she used to say, how's your pamphlet coming along? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that short, uh, but it's got all these pictures in as well, which is the, the behind the scenes stuff and the people, the stuff that people haven't seen before. For me as a fan, I was like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Well, folks, we'll put a link in the show notes uh, if you want to grab a copy of that. Uh, my copy is on order too, so that's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Now, in the tradition of Star Wars... Is there going to be a special edition? Are you going to go back and add new bits? Because the, the the model for the, the documentary, because it's you did a load of festivals. You took it around the world, didn't you? You've, you've done various festivals. And then it's been on iPlayer over Christmas, which is where I watched it. Now, at the time of recording, it's on iPlayer for about another week. And then, yeah. whoosh, it's gone. What happens to it then? Will it be a DVD, Blu-ray, that sort of thing? Um, well, I... They tried to do that before with the original one, and it, it didn't come off. Um, so whether anything happens with it, I don't know. I think it's very sad if it just disappears and never sees the yeah, light of day again. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've got my copies, and, and there's Toy Empire, but they both come off, uh, as you say, at the moment of recording, Mark, in a week's time. Mm. Um, at one point, I was contacted by someone in the Beeb who said it's probably going to stay on the iPlayer for a year, um, but that doesn't seem to be happening at the moment. So uh, it'll probably get repeated. But wouldn't it be great if someone like Disney Plus put it on there? They buy it, you know, that'd be great. And it could sit on there or or it goes out on some Blu-ray. I mean, Gareth Edwards emailed me after they went out and said, you know, this film should be on, you know, but, you know, the the, the ultimate box set of Star Wars as one of the DVD yeah, extras or Blu-ray should. extras. Um, but, you know, I who knows? I, I It's out of my hands, to be fair. I, I would love to see it as a Blu-ray DVD mm, yeah. or something you could download off iTunes or and, and keep because people keep emailing me and saying, oh, or tweeting me and saying, oh, my, my Sky recorder didn't work or yeah, I, no, I yeah. lost it. or And, and of course, with the iPlayer, if you download it, only, it only lasts for 30 days and it goes. 
So I, I really hope that maybe it's, you know, it's, it can stay in some kind of solid media form at some point and it yeah. would be lovely to see, but I'm afraid it's well beyond my pay grade to say that. Oh, okay. Well, fingers crossed that happens because fingers crossed. It, it is, it is one I want to go back. Both of them. I want to go back and watch them again and again, because there's, there's so much in there. Um, now you've gone through this extraordinary experience because as you say, it is separate to the kind of the, to the presenting that you've yes. you regularly do. And it was all consuming, as you said, you know, I think I saw in an interview somewhere else, one of your children said, my daddy works for the BBC and makes Star Wars. You know, you've been doing it for <laughs> yes. that long. Well, that's <laughs> it. I mean, my youngest, she's, she's nearly seven, but yeah, as I say, I started Galaxy Britain built. In fact, I came up with the title straight away four years ago. Hmm. So she's only ever known me work. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, and 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 you know do do my other program. So so yeah. So it, it has been all consuming. Yeah. So do you have any desire to jump back in again anytime soon? Oh, okay. Uh, is my wife listening? Um, <laughs> no, she. I mean, I, if they're right, I've got some ideas for different film-related documentaries. Um, that have kind of got a partial green light from some people in the Beeb. Um, I, I think what's this space, whether I'll do another Star Wars documentary or not, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'd, I'd love to if they're right. Because, I mean, yeah, you could expand the Galaxy Britain built even more. You could look at Return of the Jedi. Um, if you look at what Richard Marquand did, the, the mm. Welsh director. But I probably think that, probably think, oh, careful how I say this. Well, I would do another one. <laughs> Yeah, if the if the right one came along, then yes. If the right, if, if I came up with the right idea, but yeah, I'd love to do some more film-related documentaries. And I've got, as I say, I've got the you know a, a, you know people interested. So maybe that'll happen. But at the moment, I'm just thinking, right, I've got my series of Inside Out to do. Um, I've got I'm doing a radio show on Sundays. You know, the book is out, so I just ah oh, just take some stock for a while because yeah. last year was insane. I don't think I didn't have a day off between August and, and the end of December, pretty much. And mm. um, and I was working evenings as well because there was so much to do. Yeah, so much to do. Yeah, and also then promoting it all because it doesn't just finish. No, exactly. You know, so the guys that worked on it with me, they're so back to the other job. And I was like, oh, I've got to keep promoting it. I've got to, you know, I'm going to try and get as many people to watch them as possible. Otherwise, what was the point in doing it? So you kind of got to get that extra energy at the end of that. You kind of finish it. Oh, good. It's all been signed off and we've done it. You have to go through all these quality control things and the and the, the film's all ready to go but then you've got the bbc press office saying right we've got an interview with this person then you're doing this then you're right. doing this then you right, still, right, right. you know then you see the critics reviews in the radio times and the sunday times and they're all fantastic got pick of the day and critics choice etc but you you're still trying to push it as much as you can yeah to get people watching yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know? yeah it's exhausting it is exhausting well look whatever happens next i'm really really looking forward to it i really really enjoyed both those documentaries thank um, you thank you mark now folks like i said if you're new to us and you like what you heard and there's more to listen we've got over 250 something episodes please subscribe rate and review on your podcatcher of choice and uh, we have a book back to reality which you can buy i have all sorts of books so you can find me at mark stay on twitter you can find uh, the podcast on facebook bestseller experiment twitter and instagram we're at bestseller xp david where can folks find you online well i'm i'm on twitter at david underscore inside out inside out obviously not the way i am i that's the name of my other program uh you can just search for me and uh yeah find me on there and you can also type in the galaxy britain built and you will find it loads of stuff the documentary uh and the book wonderful stuff david thank you so much for joining us thank today. you it's been and a real pleasure is, thank you Mark. thank you for listening and until next time happy writing 